victims too. I, I failed to do that. Lord, we pray for the people that have been impacted by Hurricane Florence. And some of them have lost their homes and property, and some of them have lost loved ones. And we just pray, Father, for your mercy to be poured out on the people in, in those areas and just for grace and strength for them as they try to recover from the floodwaters and the damage that's been done. And we do pray, Father, that you would take what Satan, the enemy, the prince of this air, the air has meant for evil and turn it for good in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, how y'all doing? Good? So, if you're in the youth group, you're going to stay in here with us today, and the rest of us, let's turn to Acts chapter 20. We'll be taking a break from our series in Matthew this morning for a special message, Acts 20. In this passage, Paul is saying goodbye to the church that he planted in Ephesus, and somebody in here probably has already guessed where I'm going with this. Um, it's true that after 16 years of pastoring this church, the Lord is calling Kelly and I to, to pass the baton and to leave and to move back down to Southern California to take care of our elderly parents, so uh, my mom's been on her own since my dad passed away a couple of years ago. She's 94 years old and blind, and then both of Kelly's parents are uh, in their 80s, and their health's been declining. And so we just, when we went down south on our sabbatical, we were just kind of praying and sensing that the Lord was saying, hey, I need you to uh, take care of your family and to honor, but I'll tell parents in that way by taking care of them. And, and uh, I'll share more about that, but I'll tell you, this has been... Um, It's been hard because I love you guys. And it's been the great privilege of my life to be your pastor. I can honestly say that. One of the greatest honors I've had is to be your pastor. And um, I feel closer to you guys than I feel to even some of my biological family members. Haven't we been through a lot lately? I mean, just in the last few years even. And I think of how you guys have walked with Kelly and I through two double lung transplants and all the rest and loved us and supported us. So I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but... Um, by God's grace and with his strength, we're going we're gonna to look at Paul's uh, transition out of the church of Ephesus because I think it's important um, that, you know, transitions can be, <laughs> they're never easy, pastoral transitions, but they are absolutely necessary and healthy for a local church body at times. And, and that's what we want to look at, Paul's example and how this unfolded with the church of Ephesus. And hopefully we can glean some insights from him that will help us to navigate successfully through this process. Are you with me? So as we look at this, um, uh, Paul's farewell to the church in Ephesus. Uh, I know that I've lost a good portion of you already. You're sitting there trying to process this news like, what is he saying? Is he leaving? Is this, no, it's not my last Sunday. We're, we're going to be around for a little while. But um, I, I want you to know that if this is bumming you out in any way, I'm sorry. But I want to tell you that it's absolutely 100% the Lord leading. And I trust that he's going to do something really wonderful through this whole process. So Try not to be discouraged. Let's pray again that the Lord will just help us to focus on his word. How many of you would agree that as a church family, we need wisdom from above right now? We need his help to, and his grace to navigate through this. So, pray, Father, 
Um, yeah, there's times in life where we always know we need you, but it's just a sense that we need you now more than ever as a church family, and pray that you would help us, Lord, to just kind of compartmentalize our emotions and to just hear what's on your heart this morning and that we could learn lessons, Lord, that would help us and guide us through this uh, pastoral transition. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're following our outline, we begin with Paul just coming to the conclusion that it's time for him to pass the leadership baton in the church of Ephesus, and we'll pick it up in verse 17. So from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. So Paul's saying, I, I tried to, I tried to walk, or, uh, yeah, walk the talk, and I tried to be the same man in the pulpit as I was in private, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to the Jews and to the Greeks repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So this realization that it's time to pass the baton is such an important step in any pastoral transition because to tell you the truth, a lot of pastors need to be done and need to move on and they're just not willing to let go of their ministry. And, and they end up sometimes holding on to that church or that pastorate for the wrong reasons. And I'm not going to name names, but it happens where a guy's whole identity is wrapped up in being a pastor, and when it's time for God to move him or relocate him or reassign him, they just won't let go of the thing. And I heard, I heard another pastor, Don McClure, say once, sometimes that pastor's the last one to figure out that he needs to leave. And I don't think that's the case here. I hope not anyway. But, but it's just one of those things where we just, it's, Change is not easy. How many of you would agree in your own life, it's hard for you to make major changes? It's hard to accept that and to get your mind wrapped around it. But in this case, Paul realizes, I need to, I love these people and I need to do this. I need to pass this off to somebody else. And I always assumed that Pastor Tosh would take over for me. Every time I thought about some retiring someday, it was just a given in my mind, Tosh would take over. That's just etched in stone. Well, interesting, as, as I began to talk with the elders about this, and we prayed, and, you know, Tosh and I talked about it privately, and we prayed, and we fasted, and God just confirmed that Tosh wasn't the guy. And, and we both just looked at each other with the utmost love and respect and realized that God was calling him to something else. I believe that he is called to be a lead pastor, and he just doesn't feel like it's here, at least not right now. And so as we prayed and fasted as an elder board, the Lord confirmed to a man that Bill Bjorkman was going to be our next pastor here at Calvary Chapel Mountain View. And some of you might not know Pastor Bill, but he took over as our administrative pastor a while back when, when Pastor Mark moved to Santa Cruz. And so he's essentially been running the church behind the scenes, him and Malia and, and others. And so he's already very much in tune with everything that's going on here. And, uh, but God is the one that chose Bill, and I'm convinced of that. So in November, I'll be stepping aside from that role as a senior pastor, and then Bill will be stepping in to that role. Now, between now and then, what we're going to do is we're going to 
take turns on Sunday mornings, alternating back and forth, and just continue right through the book of Matthew. Excited about been doing, but but he'll be sharing the pulpit with me. And guys, I am excited about this because I know that you are going to be so blessed and so fed by his teaching. He is an awesome Bible teacher, and I know that you know so much so that some of you are going to be, hey, Rick, if you need to leave early, go ahead, you know. <laughs> but he's he's really a good teacher. And I'm, I'm just uh, happy for you that God has called him to this pulpit. But notice as Paul passes the baton off to these men in Ephesus, he is not bashful about telling them exactly what he expects. And he says, from the first day I came to you as your pastor, I have not held back anything for you from you that would be helpful or profitable. And then he's going to go on to say a few verses later, I did not shun to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Every bit of it. And you know, some pastors are tempted, we are sometimes, to, to, to avoid certain passages or topics in the Bible. Do you know that? And to be perfectly honest, there's, there's certain scripture verses and certain chapters that I would rather not teach because they're too uncomfortable or convicting or whatever, but... But Paul said, look, when, when I leave, I want you to continue this pattern, you know, to teach the whole Bible, every bit of it, and don't leave anything out, don't withhold anything. And at Calvary Chapel, that's why we do teach through the various books of the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, because we don't want you guys, we don't want to withhold anything profitable from you. We want you guys to to hear it all, the, the comforting messages and the convicting messages. We want you to receive every bit of what God has for you. And so we follow Pastor Chuck Smith's model of just going through books of the Bible, teaching through them uh, in, in, a, in a progressive way. So uh, apparently Paul taught that way when he was pastoring in Ephesus and he expects these men taking over to follow in his footsteps. And uh, that's another thing is, as I got past the thing that, the understanding that Tosh probably didn't want to take over the church at this point, I started praying, Lord, who is the guy then? I know you have someone. I know that you've anointed and called a man. And as I was thinking about it, Bill came to mind. Because you know what? I know that I can trust him to continue to feed you guys the whole counsel of God without compromising or without watering it down. I can, right? Absolutely. Okay. So that's my admonition to you, friend, is just to continue to plow through the scriptures, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, not avoiding the difficult subjects or topics, but just declaring the whole counsel of God. And so uh, as we read on, though, Paul wants his church family in Ephesus to know. Paul saying, my leaving is not my idea. It's the Holy Spirit who's compelling me to go. Notice with me what he says in verse 22. And see now how I go what? Bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy 
and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, I know, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. You know, and I'm not the best Bible teacher around. You guys know that. But one thing I can look you in the eye and say, I don't have any blood on my hands because I have not shunned to declare the whole counsel of God. And I've, I've taught some messages where you guys walked past me at the back door and nobody even looked me in the eye. Just like, <laughs> you know, go see Kelly. Kelly, do you still love me? Yeah, I still love you. But, but I mean, that's, that's when a pastor's doing his job right and doing what God's called him to do. He's going to teach you the Bible, the whole Bible. And that's what Paul's saying, hey, I'm, I'm free of, there's no, there's, the blood of all men is not on my hands because I've declared to you the whole counsel of God. And so, verse 28, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you and not, sp- not sparing the flock. So, so, and also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw disciples after themselves. So Paul anticipates that there, his, when he leaves as the founding pastor of that church, it's going to leave a spiritual void. And there might be an opportunity for selfish, carnal, ambitious men to come in and try to seize you know, a position of power within the church. So he's saying, hey, let me warn you that when I leave, there might be some guys that are trying to push themselves into the forefront, but don't let that happen. And I don't anticipate that happening here, but it's worth noting. So now, brethren, or I'm sorry, verse 34, there, 31, therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and days, night and day with tears. If you're in ministry... There's going to be tears at times. You're going to weep over the people who are not doing well, not hearing from the Lord, that are backsliding. You're going to weep over circumstances and things that come up in, in, the, in the course of doing ministry. And if you're really passionate about doing ministry, there's going to be tears involved. And we don't often think about that, but it's true. And so now, brethren, verse 32 I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. So Paul says, I'm not one of those pastors who saw God's people as a means of income, a way to get money. I wasn't one of those guys who's counting nickels and noses on Sunday morning. I, I wasn't about anything to do with the, with, I wasn't about the money or, or hitting you up for, for donations and tithes and offerings all the time. But, but he goes on to say, um, I wor- you, you yourselves know, verse 34, that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of 
the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So again, there's a lot that he says here, but I want to draw your attention back to verse 22 again where Paul declares, and see now I go bound to Jerusalem. And, and this picture of him being bound is Paul's way of saying that I am being compelled by the Spirit. I have this deep conviction under the Spirit that I'm to go to Jerusalem. And he says, to be honest, I don't know what's going to happen to me there. All I know is that every city I go to, somebody comes up to me and warns me through a prophecy that the path ahead for me is not going to be easy. (laughs) That chains and imprisonment and hardships await me there. Yet, he says what? None of these things move me or scare me or freak me out. Why? Because Jesus is my master. I'm his bond slave, and he's giving me my marching orders, so I have nothing to fear. Can you say that about, about your relationship with the Lord in your life, that you really, you know that he's ordaining your steps and that he's guiding you, and you really have nothing to fear because you're in the center of his will. If God is for us, what? Who can be against us? And that Paul just had that, that resolve in his heart and mind that nothing, nothing that was going to get him off track. You know, when the Lord uh, called Kelly and I to move up here to the Bay Area, it was in the summer of 1996. And at that time, we had absolutely no idea what he had in store for us. I, we didn't know. We just were by faith, take, taking a step of faith and coming, moving up here, started attending Calvary Chapel San Jose and just saying, Lord, what, what, what do you have for us? What do you want us to do? And um, Kelly and I have that same strong sense right now that God's through us, with us up here and that he wants to take us down and that our ministry emphasis and focus is going to have something to do in Southern California and we don't know what that is. But how many of you know that when you take a step of faith, the Lord only leads you one step at a time? He doesn't give you step two, three, and four until you take that initial first step of faith. I heard someone describe it this way, like it's like uh, driving a car down a country road at night and that when the headlights don't show you what's a mile or so ahead down the road. They just show you like right, what's right in front of your bumper. And it's the same thing when God calls us to take a step of faith. He's like, I'm not going to lay the whole plan out ahead of you but I'm going to tell you that I want you to take this step of faith and then I'll shine enough light so you can see the next step after that and the next step after that. So if you're sitting here this morning and God's challenging you to take a step of faith and you're, you're kind of a control freak, well, just let me know how it's all going to play out, Lord, and I'll be willing to take that step. No, that's not how it works. You take that first step, that crucial step, and then he will begin to shine more light for you. David realized that. He said, Lord, your word is a a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But that's each step at a time is how God reveals his will to to us. And so Kelly and I don't know what the future holds for us ministry-wise, but we just trust that if we obey him and follow him, that when we get there, that will become apparent in time. Are you with me? And the same thing's true in your life. So uh, Check it out. Even though Paul's convinced that the Spirit is clearly leading him to go to Jerusalem, he still feels incredibly sad about leaving his church family. Verse 36. 
And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Mike Ensley, don't you even think about doing that today. (laughs) Don't you dare. Sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke that he would see his face, they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. Uh, these people loved their pastor dearly. They so appreciated Paul. They just followed him out to the beach and watched him get on the boat and were waving to him as he sailed off. And they, there was just a deep bond and a love that they had. And I, I share that same bond with, with many of you. I just love you guys so much. And I'll tell you, I, I don't normally think of Paul as being a crybaby. <laughs> You know, I think of him kind of a hard-nosed for Christ and confronting false doctrine and putting false teachers in their place and dealing with people. But you know what? Here we see a different side of him, don't we? We see a tender man. He's not afraid to show his emotions for these people that he loves so dearly. You know, he's dedicated their babies. He's performed their wedding ceremonies. He's... He's walked with them through the valley of the shadow of death as they lost loved ones. And, and there, there's something real special there that Paul had with this congregation as they're saying goodbye. And I feel that with you guys too. There is, there's always going to be a special place in our hearts, right, Kelly, for the folks at McCalvary Chapel Mountain View. I mean, I just think of the love and the support that you've shown us. We're not a normal pastor and pastor's wife. We've been at the hospital and... You know, at one point we were living in Phoenix, Arizona when Leah was getting a transplant and you guys were putting up with us flying back and forth on Sunday just to, I mean, we have been through so much together and I just understand exactly how Paul felt. I can relate to him as these tears are flowing freely and, and he's saying goodbye to these folks. As I said earlier, pastoral transitions are not easy but at times they are absolutely necessary, absolutely healthy for a church body. I heard it said, and I believe it's true, that every pastor has a shelf life. And that's especially true for us older guys. But sometimes we just are so wrapped up in that and and aren't willing to to go uh, pass the baton to the next generation. And when I was down at the pastor's conference in June, I was praying that God would speak to me. I was, you had given me a sabbatical, and, and I had had some time off outside of the flow of the demands and responsibilities just to seek the Lord personally, and Lord, speak to me. In the very first session that I went to, I sat down, and, the, and a young man, a young pastor named Riley Taylor taught a study, and God just so clearly but gently told me that, that he was done with me here. And again, he did it in such a loving way. It didn't even bum me out. I just felt a peace wash over me, and he let me know that God has a fresh vision for Calvary Chapel Mountain View, and I'm not the guy to implement that vision. Amen, Bill? I turned to you and told you. And Bill said, well, what about this guy? And what about that guy? (laughs) He was in total denial at that point. But it's cool because 
over time, God began to speak to him and Michelle and confirm in their hearts that they were the ones to come and pastor this church. And it's been cool. I, I mean, I had the privilege of leading you to Christ, what, 22 years ago? And we've been close friends ever since. And it's cool how the Lord's brought this full circle, praying with them to receive Christ as their Savior, and then praying with them now to take over this church that means the world to Kelly and I. It's just an awesome thing how God does things. Doesn't God do things good? So, um, but, but these pastoral transitions are not without their challenges. There's financial considerations. There's staffing considerations. There's budget considerations. So we really need your prayers. Please pray for our church and especially our leadership and our elder board. We just really need your prayers. We want we want this to go smoothly, and we want Jesus to be glorified through this whole process. Would you pray for that with us? So, Pastor Bill, just to give you a heads up, he's probably going to do things a lot differently than I do, or at least some things differently, and guess what? That's a good thing. I'm a hot mess administratively. You are going to be so blessed that things are going to be more organized around here. But I'm just praying that you guys will embrace him and his family wholeheartedly and say, Lord, thank you for your provision. Yeah, we're going to miss Rick and Kelly, but thank you for providing this wonderful couple that's here to, to shepherd us spiritually. So let's pray for the Lord to help us to accept these changes. <coughs> Father, um, again, I, I just think of these times when we de really need wisdom from above and we need strength and guidance and Lord help us to not go by our feelings or, or emotions but to be sticking our noses in the word and, and, and just using that Lord to guide and direct us through this, this transition and Father uh, I thank you for the way that your Holy Spirit sovereignly calls one person into a ministry and puts down another and and Lord, I know with all my heart that you're not done with Kelly and me. And I pray that as we obey this first step of faith to go back and take care of our parents, that eventually, Lord, you'll, you'll guide and direct us to what you have for us next. And maybe it's just to minister to our family for a season, and we, we would welcome that too, Lord. And in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to ask Pastor Bill to come up and, and the prayer counselors. Maybe if there's a... Some of you pastor types in here, Jeff and Tosh, Mike, maybe you guys could also come up and be available for prayer. But Bill, would you come up and share your heart with us? By the way, we know that there'll be questions that I haven't answered. So if you do have a question, please don't shout it out. Just text it to the number that's up on the screen, and then we'll do our best to try to answer those. Good morning, everybody. I'm, uh, I'm Bill. So <laughs> and I thought I was going to drag my sweet wife, Michelle, up here, but um, you'll meet her. She's certainly the better half of this equation. And um, we want to thank you, of course, for welcoming us into this incredible work that the Lord is doing here. This church has a legacy and a history of faith and a faithfulness, and uh, our hearts are really just to continue with that. Pastor Rick talked about all these big changes that, that uh, are going to happen. 
I don't see all that. I want to continue the work that the Lord is already doing. I want to honor the legacy. I want to continue those good things that are in place. And um, as Pastor Rick shared, we all have something already in common. And that's that for my wife, Michelle, and I, um, Pastor Rick and his wife, Kelly, are two of the most dear people to us on this planet. They ushered us into the faith. They discipled us in our formative years in the faith. And so it is so fitting and it's such an honor that God would call us just to continue this work. Um, You know, my family has been at Calvary Chapel in Santa Cruz for 18 years. We were part of the founding team there and uh, we don't move around a lot. God calls some to be pioneers. He calls others to be settlers. We are settlers. We come in and we build on things that are already there. We build, we develop, we strengthen, we fortify. And again, that's our heart here is just to keep on building, just to keep on um, doing. You know, in that nearly two decades, we have raised a family there at, uh, at Calvary Chapel at Regeneration Church. And again, we want to thank you for making room in your hearts to welcome our family in to your family. And it's going to be a privilege and it's going to be an honor. And it's not going to be without bumps. But, um, but ultimately, as Pastor Rick shared, we want the Lord Jesus to be glorified in all of this. And we want this to be an example of the fact that this church belongs to who? It belongs to Jesus, and he's the one that's ordaining, and he's the one that's leading, and he's the one that's guiding, and he's the one that's directing. So we'll be able to share more about it, but there's some things that the Lord has done just really to confirm this in our hearts, to make it um, just without question that this is his will for our family and, uh, and uh, his will for Calvary Chapel Mountain View. So with that, if you would join me in prayer, and then kiss, he's going to lead us. Um, in another song, and then hopefully we can just have a time of prayer and of, uh, of ministry within the body this morning. Amen. So, Father, we thank you so much for Pastor Rick, and we thank you for Kelly, and we thank you for the work that you've done here through them, Lord. We thank you for the continued work that you'll do in and through their lives, Lord, in this next season of ministry, Lord. We thank you in advance for the way that you're providing for Calvary Chapel Mountain View, Lord. We thank you for the vision that you've given, um, Lord, just for the continuing of this work. And so, Father, we pray even now for those hearts that are heavy. Lord, we pray that you would provide comfort in a way that only you can by your Spirit, that you would provide hope and just a confident expectation that as we step forward in faith together as a church body, Lord, that you're going to bless and you're going to protect and you're going to provide for those good things that are already in place here. And so we thank you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all his people said, amen, amen. Would you uh, stand with us for this last song? Thank you.